day, guys. We're back here live in the studio once again for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. I am joined once again by Ben Gorowitz. Ben, say what's up to the people. Well, I'm happy to be here. I like the topics we got discussing today. Uh, we still got a lot of sports on. Oh, yeah. Everything hasn't cooled down just yet. We still got these baseball playoffs. Unfortunately, the NBA is over, which is our perfect segue into our first topic. Um, LeBron James in the Los Angeles Lakers. We saw Lakers get God knows how many titles they're at at this point, but we saw LeBron get his fourth ring, and the Lakers beat the Heat in six games in the series. Ben, what were kind of your takeaways from the finals and just from LeBron's legacy now after him getting this ring? Well, I think the big headliner is uh, nothing to take away from LeBron and the Lakers, but the biggest storyline is 100% Goran Dragic, um, you know, not being able to play in a couple of the games and really being limited in the game he came back. Uh, Bam Adebayo missed the game. Those are, you know, two massive um, losses for the Heat at the time. Goran Dragic was their leading scorer mm-hmm. at just around 20 points per game. Um, and Bam Adebayo is their biz- big physical presence in the um, paint. They really – their backup big men are not that good. Myers Leonard barely played when Bam uh, was, was in the lineup. And Kelly Olenek is just a bench scorer. He's not really known for defense. So um, I don't think the Heat would have won anyway, but um, the, the Lakers were the better team. I mean, all around, you have two of the top five players in the world on your team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. That's, you know, that's my opinion. People can rank AD wherever they want. Um, and we really saw AD kind of grow up. He didn't have a ton of playoff experience and he really, I mean, outside of a couple of games, you know, where he struggled, mm-hmm. um, he always came back that next game. I think LeBron is just a tremendous leader, kind of always gets his guys involved. Um, and they shot it pretty well. KCP showed up in almost every game. Rondo was Rondo and, you know, LeBron did his thing. They were the better team. They won. Um, a lot of respect for the Heat that they were even able to push this to six without Drogic and Bam. Um, for those games, so nothing to hold your uh, head down for for Miami Heat. Just got to bounce back, get better next year. And as far as LeBron's career, man, um, you know I absolutely hate the discussion on who's the goat. I I don't think it really matters. I think yeah, both are tre- that discussion. <laughs> I think I think both are tremendous players. I think both changed the game in ways that you know other people couldn't. Um, you know, congrats to LeBron. He he doesn't look like he's done anytime soon. Yeah, you know, I agree with you completely. LeBron looks like there's no slowing him down. I mean, he looks like he's still the greatest player to ever play, the, to walk out there on the court and play the game. Obviously, we didn't watch Jordan play, so that's just in our opinion of what we've seen this lifetime. Um, I'll say this about the Heat, though. I really didn't think not having Dragic was that big of a deal. I mean, a lot of the season he wasn't in there. I mean, Kendrick Nunn actually kind of finally showed up for the first time in the playoffs. Obviously, he was a little late to the bubble just because he had some personal family issues and stuff he had to deal with. And I think he might have even gotten COVID at some point in time, so... He was kind of set back the entire playoffs. But, you know, I really thought that the best team in the league ended up winning this championship. Look, the Lakers might have been led by two players. But the thing is, you know, when you don't have any big threes like we used to have, the Lakers are the two, have the combination of the two best players that any other team did. And that's who they fed off is they went through LeBron and AD. I think the craziest part about LeBron getting this ring is we've seen LeBron do it now with three different teams, which you don't really see guys win shit ring with three different teams and be the top guy on those teams. But also, too, LeBron played in so many different eras of basketball, and it's kind of like LeBron. You know, you say, like, some guys dominate in one era, but they can't dominate in another. 
We watched LeBron dominate from the big man era and completely change his body and the way he played the game to being a three-point shooting guard to get his ring in the new in this era of the NBA, which I think is crazy how LeBron, you know, he's able to sit there and just move era through era and just, cha- you know, LeBron changed with the era. He said, okay, it's all about three-point shooting. Well, I'm going to become a knockdown three-point shooter and I'm going to lose all this weight and not bang anymore with people in the paint. Said I'm going to play point guard and set my whole team up. So I just think it's crazy, man, how we watched LeBron do that. And honestly... I'm glad I've got like I remember watching LeBron play his first game he ever played in the NBA, and I've followed him all throughout this journey. And honestly, it's been a pleasure to watch him do it. No, it's I mean it's some of the athletes that we get to watch in our time right now. I mean, I know that you can kind of say that for any anyone's life, but I mean the evolution of LeBron is you know on and off the court. Um, you know, we could go. I could talk for days about what he's done on the court, but we could talk for days about how much of an impact he's made off the court. Um, I, I don't really understand the hate. I, I don't really understand why people hate LeBron. Like, what has he ever – I don't think he's ever been in legal trouble. Um, I, I mean, anything, right? I don't think he has a bad rap to him. Um, so I don't understand that. But you, wait, hold on. You don't think missing a guy that scored 20 points per game is a big deal? And Drogic? I mean, Yes, but no, because, I mean, dude, the Heat were so deep all season long. I mean, Dragic was – he's banged up. He missed some games in the regular season even. I feel like the Heat kind of all throughout the I, season, they played a lot of guys, and then they went with the hot hands down the stretch. Well, you're right about the depth part. I just think that without Dragic, that means Jimmy Butler had to elevate his game to a level that we just hadn't mm-hmm. seen before, and he did it. He did it. But the fact that he had that much weight on his shoulders and they still lost the game, and they weren't losing by much, not counting the clinching game. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't losing by much. So I think that, you know, that one game where Jimmy had the triple-double and had, what did he have, 40 or 50, whatever he had? Yeah, it was 40. Right. So, I mean, to do that one game and to come back two days later and try and do something like that again is tough when you if you had Drogic back. Maybe Jimmy only needs to get 25. You know, Drogic yeah. can get eight. I, I just think 20 points, even though the Heat have great depth, 20 points is a lot to make up for the players that were playing. Kendrick Nunn, you're right, did play solid. Kelly Olynyk is fine, but like Crowder fell apart. You're just asking yeah. these role players. You're asking the when you take out a star and a starter, you're asking the role players to elevate their game, and not all of them are able to do it at mm-hmm. one time when you're already a big underdog. You know, the Heat really – Jimmy Butler did his thing. Mad respect. Bam Adebayo showed up when he came back. But that they needed, I mean, Iguodala to play, you know, good defense. And he's honestly too old to guard LeBron now. You needed Crowder to hit threes. That didn't happen. You need Kendrick Nunn to score a decent amount. That was spotty. Like, it was just asking for too much. Yeah, you know, I do think you're right in those, in those facts. And just, you know, like the fact that um, Dragic has been an all-star. You know, he definitely is the third best player on the team. I, th- I definitely think, though, with Bam being banged up, that they definitely caught a little bit of a break there. But, I mean, Bam still looked a lot better than I was expecting him to yeah. in the games where he's back. Like, he definitely made a massive difference having him out there on the floor. And you're 100% right about it, Linux. He plays, doesn't play any defense. I mean, having him there and not having him there is no real uh, game-breaker. Honestly, though, I think the Heat played well, and they did what they needed to do. I mean, they've still got a lot of big decisions to make in this upcoming offseason. I think Dragic will be a free agent, which will free up a lot of money for him. But... Overall, you know, it's just crazy, man, to see LeBron get that ring in a Lakers jersey. And like you said, you know, they're not done. I mean, they're going to have some questions, too, what they can do in the offseason. Also, though, too, 
I felt like that that game six kind of reminded me of the game when that the Heat uh, when the Heat sent home the the uh, Thunder with how that Rondo balled out. You remember that was the game when Mike Miller and Chalmers went off. And that's how it always goes in the finals. You need a guy or two who's like the Rondo, who's like the Kuzma to step up and do something. And I also wouldn't be shocked if we watched Kuzma play his last game in a Lakers jersey. Definitely, we'll see about his uh, future. Um, there was like a petition going around how people didn't want him to get a ring. The last thing. Uh, the last thing I'll comment about the Lakers, and then uh, you know we can have a move on, or you can finish that up. Is uh, big, huge congratulations to Jeannie Buss, uh, first woman controller owner uh, to win a championship in sports. That is one heck of an achievement. Um, you know that that's special. You know that's for the history books of all time. Yeah, no, that is crazy. Big shout out to Jeannie Buss. Shout out to the Lakers for getting done for Kobe. It's a pleasure watching them do it, and. Shout out to LeBron. Our next topic here is one that I've been hoping we could discuss for weeks now, and finally we can. On Sunday, Arthur Blank grew some balls and sent Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov packing. Um, first off, Ben, I mean, I would say we should discuss if it's the right move or not, but, I mean, why even waste our time because we know it's the right move. What do you think the Falcons should do with our future? I think we're left with a lot of question marks here. We're going to have a lot of guys come off the books this next season. I've been messing around with our salary cap a good bit. I mean, what do you think the Falcons should do? Do we bring in a veteran coach and go try to squeeze this roster for one more championship run, or do we hit the full reset button? So, I mean, I think it starts with Arthur Blank took in a you know, look in the mirror at himself and deciding, you know, how long do I want a, re- a rebuild process to take, you know? Do I want a short one, you know, quick fix, one to three years? Do I want to be bad for the next three years and probably make it a five-year project? Um, you know, it seems like we are just cleaning house. GM gone, head coach gone. Uh, defensive coordinator is now going to be the head coach for the rest of the year. I doubt he'll stay because Falcons have a top three worst defense in the league. Um, and all these coaches got shifted around. Some was it the linebacker coach that's now the defensive coordinator or I don't think anyone's going to stay because I think the first step you do is you have to hire a GM first. Don't even think about you got to hire a GM first. And there's a couple ways to do this. In my opinion, these are the two best ways. You either believe in someone that's on the market from the start and you are going to give him total control because Arthur Blank is not really a type of owner that is hands on with football decision making. Mm -hmm. He's not like a Jerry Jones. Um, he, he kind of lets his – so you have to hire someone you believe in from the beginning that you think has the intelligence to start this from the ground up. And there's there's always people out there. You just have to be willing to take a risk. Or the more favorable option is you look at another organization around the NFL that you think is similar to your market and similar to the playing style you like to see, and you go after their assistant GM. And I think a team to look at – and this is – I saw this from someone else – um, on social media, but I looked into it, is the Colts assistant GM right now. Love it. I think that's a tremendous name to throw into the fire because the Colts are a team that have um, kind of had to go through a rebuild process. I, I mean, they went after Peyton Manning. They did happen to get their hands on Andrew Luck, but they built this team through the draft, specifically from the trenches um, to outside. They're just starting to get the playmakers on the outside with the receivers and running backs they drafted over the last couple of years, but they started in the trenches and they started on defense. So those are the two ways that I like to do that. I would like to see my team hire. It then goes to the coach. What playing style do you want to have? 
how much does defense matter to you in today's game, right? If you think defense is not the biggest thing in the world, go get an offensive mind like you've talked about. You've talked about Joe Brady, and I'm sure you'll get into that. Oh, yeah. Go get him. You can get the Chiefs offensive coordinator with people like, go get him. Go get someone like that. You can even throw Lincoln Riley's name in. I think that's a joke, but someone like that is what I mean. And then you just hire a defensive coordinator that's an experienced, older, wiser guy and let him run the entire show. You could do that. It's risky, but that's kind of the route I want the Falcons to take. I would love for them to draft a quarterback um, early in this next year's draft, maybe sit him for a year and then just kind of fade out Matt Ryan. That's my opinion. I'm, you know, I'm curious to hear yours. Okay, so I agree with a lot of the things you said, to be honest with you. I thought you hit the, the nail on the head. I agree that we need to that the next GM we bring in, we need to do one of the two things you said right there. Which one I'm not as sure. I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm a little bit better with NBA general management than I am with uh with NFL, you know, and like picking someone to be your general manager. I, I think Lewis sorry to cut you off, I think Lewis Riddick is another tremendous name to throw in. Hey, the I fire. love that tweet you had. He's a he's a guy that's had that has a lot of player personnel experience. He's mm. been, I think, with two or three organizations over his years. He has so he has front office experience. And if you just listen to him when he went from NFL Live, um, you know, now to Monday Night Football, he speaks with such intelligence that he knows in his head what path teams need to do. I think he just understands the process. And I I actually love his background in player personnel. I think that is huge for a GM to be able to relate to players through the draft and understand that process because I think that helps you draft better. And with him having the player personnel uh, background in his resume, I also think he's got. You would think he has a good relationship with some college coaches because he knows how that draft process works. I think that's another name with a guy that has some experience. That I mean, you could easily take him away from Monday Night Football. Oh, absolutely, and I would love honestly to see him come in. I agree with you. I think he definitely does have some next level uh, knowledge of the game like I was even listening to him talk about the guys he drafted in fantasy and some of the picks I was like why the hell would you make that pick there and then after watching them ball out I'm like geez I should I definitely uh should mind my own business on those takes there but um I personally think you bring in the new GM and you let him get his guys that means I mean don't get me wrong I appreciate and love everything Matt Ryan and Julio Jones have done for this organization but to be honest with you I think it's time to move on from both of them I still think we can trade both of them and get first round picks back in return for them or get a load of draft picks to help go ahead and rebuild this team once you get them two off the book you have Devontae Freeman's salary coming off the book Alex Mack's salary is coming off the book. Um, you can get out of Ricardo Allen's contract. You, Keanu Neal's contract is coming off the book. You'll have about 40% of your salary cap available. Obviously, we'll lose probably 10 to 15% of that, of that 40% due to signing our draft picks that we're going to take. But look, I think this team's built very well for a rookie quarterback to come in and thrive. And if you look at the DNA of these teams that keep going to the Super Bowls and these teams that make these deep playoff runs, it's these teams that have these rookie quarterbacks and then they don't really pay them anything, so they're not paying that much money to the quarterback. I mean, right now, Matt Ryan's hitting our cap at like $35 million a year. When you're not paying that kind of money to those guys, you can use that money to go buy yourself a new defense. And we have great defensive pieces to build around with Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones. We go out there, we spend the money and bring in these guys, 
And then on top of that, you know, you kind of you already have Calvin Ridley. You already have Russell Gage. I mean, we can go get a running back in the draft. That's no big deal. You can also you also have a decent offensive line. You can plug in Hennessy for Max. Shoot, you can even use one of those draft picks on another offensive lineman. I think the Falcons are set up perfectly to bring in a Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, a guy like that, and have them be successful right off the bat in year one. And I think the best way to do that with them and maximize them is by going out and getting your boy genius head coach, whether that's Joe Brady. I personally don't really I think that BNME, don't get me wrong, I've seen some things from him that I actually like, but at the end of the day, I think it's more so Andy Reid that does mostly everything there and not really BNME, but I mean, I'll, shoot, I wouldn't mind the Lincoln-Riley experiment, but I think we got to get an offensive guy in there, and I'll say this too about Dan Quinn and Dimitrov. I've talked a thousand times about why Dan Quinn needed to go. I won't say anything else on that, but Dimitrov, I mean, look, I wasn't necessarily too opposed to getting rid of them, but at the same time, like, for example... On Friday, I was thinking about about Xavier Rhodes. I was like, where is he playing this year? The freaking Colts paid him $1.5 million. When you look at how awful our defense is, and you're telling me we've spent $6.7 million on Todd freaking Gurley when we could have spent $1.5 million on a guy like Xavier Rhodes, I mean, that kind of pisses me off, honestly, that we could, I mean, our defense is horrible, and the fact we could have got somebody like that for so cheap, I mean, why the hell aren't we giving him $3 million even? I would give him $3 million. And guess whose defense looks pretty good to start the year? The Colts. Um, you know, it, it's tough. And the Colts' problem right now is, you know, their quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're old, they're old, slow, noodle arm quarterback. That's the perfect landing spot for Matt Ryan. That's what I've been saying all week. Um, well, I don't know if they would go after another thirty-five plus year old quarterback after well, this Matt's, experiment with Rivers. Matt's still got some good years left in him, I think. We'll see. He didn't look very good this past week, but I mean the team looks like they. I mean the team looks like in the after the first half of the Packers game they completely quit. Like Sunday, honestly, I think was the Do most you blame beautiful. Him? No, I don't blame <laughs> him at all. I can't blame him one single bit. But I mean Sunday we looked like we had given up. Like I mean that was the most piss poor performance I've seen from the Falcons probably and since the second half of the Super Bowl. Like that is the worst performance. Like lackluster. Like we don't give a damn. Like we don't even want to be here. Performance. Like. Honestly, I, I literally I looked at my dad and I said, there is no way Dan Quinn's the coach after this game's over. I was like, that was the worst performance I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, did you not feel like there was no energy? Like, I felt like we didn't care the whole game. Honestly, I think I had red zone on. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not putting myself through that misery. I mean, uh, there's other teams that I can watch. You know, the fact... I don't know. They have so many problems. You know, hopefully they just nail the head with his GM um, right away because you can fail with, you know, you can try a coach if he fails. You can try it again. This GM, this new GM will have a couple coach leeway if the first guy doesn't work out. But if you just get another GM who just doesn't really know what he's doing, doesn't really think a couple steps ahead, this team is going nowhere. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, what? Dan Quinn looks so bad at being a head coach these past two years. So what does that mean in the year we went to the Super Bowl? Was he a great coach or was he lucky? No, he had, he had Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan. And the sad thing about it is we had the two best coaches in the NFC right now, and yet we were stuck with Dan Quinn. Well, how about – well, no, I wouldn't say Shanahan. Pete Carroll's still up there. But quick on Shanahan, right? Falcons went to the Super Bowl next year, had a with no went to the Super Bowl, no injuries, looked unbelievable, looked unstoppable. Lost the Super Bowl. Next year, had a ton of injuries. Barely could win a game. Uh, look what Kyle Shanahan's team is doing right now. Went to the Super Bowl. Lost the Super Bowl. 
just lost about a third of his starters uh, so far this year to injury, and they can't they can barely win a game. They can't win a game. They have two wins. They're two and three, aren't they? Yeah, they're two and three. And they play, I think, on Sunday night football coming up against the Rams. So easily could go two and four. That's a must win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take that what you will, but Shanahan's got some bad karma with him right now. Garoppolo looks terrible. Or well, it's only one week, but he looked terrible. Yeah, no, I mean, let's perfect transition into our next topic right there. Is this the real Jimmy Garoppolo we're seeing? And I'll be honest with you guys, I, you know, I really thought Garoppolo was going to pick it up this season. You know, like usually when you come back off an ACL injury or a big time injury like that, yeah, you usually will have a decent comeback season, but it's usually the second season, you know, when you follow up and you're really back and you explode again. But honestly, Jimmy Garoppolo's looked terrible this season. He even got pulled for Beathard in the second half. I mean, I don't know if it was the injury still bothering him, which is what they're claiming, or if he really just isn't that good. And, you know, right now you have to sit there and look at this Jimmy Garoppolo contract. I mean, he might be the most overpaid player in the entire NFL. I think that the 49ers might be in a lot of trouble moving down the road if this is really the Jimmy Garoppolo we're going to see. I don't want to sit here and say 100% it is. I'm going to give him – I'll give him three more weeks. But, I mean, if his play doesn't pick up and change things, I think the 49ers are in a real difficult spot here because, I mean, they're due, due, I think, three more years at over over $30 million to Jimmy G. Well, he's got the weapons. I mean, um, they didn't they just lose a receiver, though, uh, from last year to this year? They lose any? Um, yeah, they San- lost Amanda Sanders, Sanders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they replaced him with a rookie that a lot of experts kind of like in Brandon Ayuk. It, I think I it's like, just injury. I, like I think I think it's the inconsistency that the uh, you know weapons and the offense is really. I, I don't think there's much chemistry there right now. I agree. Kittle's Kittle's missed I think a week, maybe two. Garoppolo's mm-hmm. missed uh, at least two weeks, right? Uh, I think yeah, Garoppolo missed two games. I think Ayuk missed his, the first game of the season, and then the running backs are decimated now. I, you know, I'm not making excuses, but at the same time, is you know I. It's hard to judge them when you don't have a full roster, and mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's a fair statement rather than an excuse to make. I will say this about Jimmy G, though. Um, I mean, he he. What, do you know where he ranks in quarterbacks being paid in the league? Yeah, you know? I believe I'll pull I'll pull it up right now as we talk. But I mean, I'm pretty sure he's in the top five right now. I mean, they paid him massive right after right before last season started. Yeah. So here's the thing that that I hate with contracts, and it's just the way the sport works. You don't get paid based on how how talented you are. You get paid versus what the market is at the mm-hmm. time you hit the market, right? Listen, Jimmy G hit the market at the perfect time. He went to the Super Bowl and his contract was up. So your quarter, the you go to a Super Bowl. Guess what? You got to reward the guy that got you there. So you pay him all this money, and you know at the end of the day, he's a glorified game manager. That's all he is. That's all he is. His his arm strength is not in the great or elite category i'd say it's in good his accuracy is in the good not great category he is not mobile um i i i can't comment on intellectually i you know i I, that's not i'm not like a real analyst i don't know about that but i can tell you that his his skills his intangibles he brings to the table are good there's no there's no part of jimmy g that's great there's none maybe he's maybe he's looks he's a good looking dude i guess but that's it (laughs) His arm strength isn't great. His accuracy mm-hmm. isn't great. His feet aren't great. Yet he gets paid like he's a great quarterback, and that's you get in trouble when you do that. Um, 
Hey, if his you know, accuracy was great, by the way, San Francisco would probably have a Super Bowl ring. Remember when he over? I can't remember who it was he overthrew. Yeah, remember? By, he over. I can't remember either, but he overthrew him by a uh, yeah a couple heads. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the way the sport works. Um, you know, looking back on it, I think, um, um, what's the GM Lynch? Um, John Lynch. John Lynch. I think. He, I think in a couple of years, yeah, I think he's going to regret giving that contract. At the same time as though, like when you when you're given in the contract, who else would who are you going to bring in that's better? That's kind of the problem with it. Um, I, I think Jimmy G is a good quarterback, and I think he's nothing more special than that. Yeah. So at the time, Jimmy, I agree with you on that one. I, at the time when Jimmy Garoppolo signed his contract, he was the top paid quarterback in the NFL. He is now the ninth highest paid quarterback in the league. Number one is Russell Wilson. Number two, Kirk Cousins. Three, Wentz. Four, Tannehill. Five's Dak Prescott because he's on that because uh, he's on the um, franchise tag. Well, so Six. hold on. So he's getting paid. He's the ninth highest paid quarterback in the league. And mm-hmm. and just off the top of your head, I don't know if you like have a list in your head. Where would you rank him in quarterbacks? Keep in mind, there's 32 in the league. Yeah, I would probably rank him around. He's like, he's 12. He's 12 to 15. Yeah, it's not I would, higher. I'd probably put it's him, not higher. Yeah, I'd probably say like probably like number probably in the eighteen to fourteen range, more so, somewhere in there. Nowhere near what he's getting paid. Yeah, not at all. But I mean, neither is Kirk Cousins Case in point. up there with him. You're right. Or Tannehill, honestly. I mean, it's it, exactly like you said. These teams are paying based off what the market is, and not actually how good their quarterback is. But they so, don't have this, a choice. Mm-hmm. You either lose, you either lose the player, and start over especially at the quarterback position or, and this is not like the quarterback position is not like a running back. You can't just a running back. You can't just plug in place just because you have the weapons. If you don't have a quarterback, your team is not going to be that successful. You more so need a quarterback than you need weapons. Mm-hmm. Hence, and I don't want to compare anyone to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's a good, a lot of good weapons, but he's never had like a massive receiver other than Randy Moss and Gronk is a tight end. So that is, his his best receivers were like Wes Walker, short slot dude. Wes Walker, Julian Edelman, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Brandon, th- th- because Brady makes them. But he arguably did have the best tight end to ever play the game. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying Brady hasn't had like great weapons. He had Randy Moss. He had Deion Branch was good for a lot of years. He had Rob Gronkowski. I'm not. And Edelman's a stud. But when you have shorter slot guys, your quarterback needs to do more to help those guys compared to like DK Metcalf. That dude can run and jump over everyone. Russell Wilson put the ball up. <laughs> hey, I agree with you completely, Ben. I mean, they're overpaying him and you just mentioned the perfect segue into our next topic, which is has Russell Wilson finally ran away with the MVP? I mean, that was one of the best game winning drives I've seen. What do you think? Run away with it, it's still too early. I agree. Um he's not the only undefeated team, quarterback playing lights out football. Um I, I do think he's the front runner, and then I would put um, Aaron Rodgers right there at second, and I would mm-hmm. put Josh Allen, and I would put Josh Allen at third. Now I think Rodgers would be second because I think he's just going to get more votes being the big star name than Josh Absolutely. Allen. Um, and Josh Allen still has a little bit more to prove. Um, Rodgers and Wilson were were consistent at this level. They elite almost every week, every single year. Josh Allen is now putting together the. I would say first elite year he's had, second great mm-hmm. year in a row. I'd say he was really good last year, even better this year. Um, and he he hasn't he hasn't played same amount of games yet. He plays tonight, 
against the Titans. So let's see how he looks tonight. I would put Russell Wilson as the favorite, but not a runaway leader. Yeah, you know, I'm going to agree with you, Ben. I think you said it correctly. Look, I would say if the season ended today, it's easily going to be Russell Wilson, no question about it. Um, like you said, you know, Josh Allen still hadn't played yet this week, so that's hurting him right now a little bit in the race. But, I mean, when you look at the stats, I mean, it's going to be Rodgers, Allen, and Wilson all three up there together all season. I think, if anything, it hurts Russell Wilson a little bit that he's playing this well right now because – you know, it's all about what you do at the end of the season. I can't, I can never stop thinking about, for example, Tua with that Heisman Trophy, man. I mean, it felt like the entire season he had it, he came out and got hurt in the SEC championship game, and then we turn around and see Kyler Murray end up winning the trophy, you know? Like, I feel like it's all about how you finish out the season. I think it's going to come down to the race at the end of the season. Whichever team has the best record and player has the closest stats within that record range, it's going to come down to it. Unfortunately, though, I think Russell Wilson is going to have the stats like that and the record like that, the way everything's played out so far. So, I mean, I would say Russell Wilson has it by no means. They do it. Would I say he's run away with it? I saw they moved him. Him versus the field was plus 120 this week. That was a prop you could take. I, per, I would definitely not take that prop. But I definitely think Russell Wilson's still got a lot of, still got a lot of work left to do. But, you know, if he keeps performing the way he has, it's going to be tough to beat him out. Yeah, it's definitely too early. I said last week when we talked about college football, it's too early to have all this Heisman talk. I saw like some article come out about the Heisman where there's like eight people on the list. I'm like, come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah it's way too early. You got to wait until each team's got at least like seven games under their belt. Obviously, you can't say that about the Big Ten. I don't even think the Big Ten players will qualify for that award just because they're. Yeah, right. By the way, right now on that list, Justin Fields is number two. <laughs> Hasn't even played a game yet. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, I saw they put Penn State and Ohio State already in the top 10. I think it's so stupid that they're already ranked. They still haven't played yet. But. They will be back in action, I believe, next week. Is that isn't that right? Is it next week they're back next? Yeah, week? it's it's not not this coming week, but the following. Okay, it's exactly right. But once again, this is a perfect segue into our final topic, which is. I don't know about you, Ben, but I think there's been three teams that have separated themselves from the field in college football. Obviously, we're only going to talk about the teams who have played yet. That's disincluding Ohio State. Those three teams, in my opinion, are the Georgia Bulldogs, your Alabama Crimson Tide, and the Clemson Tigers. Am, am I wrong here to say that, or what do you think? I think those have definitely been the most dominant teams. Um, I think there's other undefeated teams that would be more in the we-don't-really-believe you know, category, kind of like UNC. I don't think anyone really believes they're going to topple Clemson in the ACC other than maybe you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'd say for sure, three dominant teams, Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama. Um, I, th I agree completely. Look, I'd say each team still has a little bit of a flaw. I mean, don't get me wrong, Stetson Bennett is a great college quarterback, still makes some good plays. I still think Georgia could get a little bit more out of that quarterback position. Alabama, obviously the defense didn't look great. At the same time, you know, it's kind of a weird game. Ole Miss put up a lot of points on everybody so far this season, so I don't necessarily know if that's like a massive thing either. But then you look at Clemson, and I feel like they have the least flaws of anyone. I mean, that defense looked for real against Miami. The offense moved the ball up and down the field. I'd say I'd like them to have a little bit better playmakers at wide receiver, which would be my biggest flaw I could point out with them. But I feel like these three teams are men amongst boys. I mean, that Georgia defense, 31 yards rushing to, uh, to Auburn, and then they turn around and allowed one yard rushing to Tennessee. I mean, that's absolutely unstoppable right there. You brought up, though, the team that I wanted to talk about the most in this segment, which is the North Carolina Tar Heels. I know I picked North Carolina to go undefeated this season I'm the, and, and make it to the Final Four. 
let's put it this way. I think North Carolina has a great team. I think they look good, but I don't know about you, Ben, but I feel like they're going to lose a game they shouldn't along the way. They kind of been close. <laughs> and what, I think two games this year, it's, it's kind of been close at some point during the game. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just the team that, you know, they just need to, you know, there's not much, I don't think there's going to be a lot of outside noise that comes in there. I think they need to stay motivated week by week. You know, they're not going to be all over college game day or on Sports Center, even if they're four or five and zero, six and zero, because everyone knows Clemson's in the ACC. You got to find ways to show up each week, and you got to be versatile in the way you win. Some weeks your offense is going to be absolutely unstoppable. Some weeks Sam Howell's going to struggle to throw the football. You have to find ways to win. So far, so good. So far, they have done that. The other three teams that we mentioned can do can win in a lot of ways. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, can just can win and they can outcoach you. Their offenses can just take over throughout a game. Georgia's defense can take over at any single point in the game. Um, like you said, Georgia. I mean, I think Georgia's defense. I think you put them number one in the country right now. Absolutely. Maybe Clemson. Maybe Clemson right there. Um, I don't think anyone else has played consistent defense all year outside of those two programs. Um, Bama's defense is not good. Just putting that out there it's not good I, I don't know what the problem is it's not like there's no talent um there was a rumor swirling around that there might have been a coaching uh change at defensive coordinator not a firing but like a coaching but i think it's i think it's a rumor um i, I don't think if you guys saw the charlie strong rumor that he's going to start calling plays i don't think it's true uh, as of right now i haven't heard that it's true um it's gonna be interesting we'll talk about it uh, on friday about oh, the yeah. Georgia Alabama game and all that. Oh, that's an yeah. offensive, that's an offensive juggernaut versus a defensive juggernaut. Um, you know, that's just a little tease. UNC does look good though, and I think it's worth mentioning then to talk about. I just don't think the way they're playing right now that I don't think they could even cover against Clemson. By the way, Clemson oh. has right now because I think. Right now, the spreads for Clemson are a little high. I don't think it would be 18 against UNC. It would be a little bit lower than that, closer to two touchdowns, I think, right now. But that's because UNC, the consistency is not there right now. Last week, they didn't. I don't know if they looked great. Um, so they jumped out to a tw- they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead. But that also, right. I will say this: Virginia Tech didn't play Hinted Hooker till later on in the game, and that was when they finally started to move the ball. But at the same time, that was when UNC, you know, was just trying not to allow you know long touchdown plays. Right, but it did get to in front of them. Virginia Tech brought it to single digits, and then UNC scored, I think, two or three on unanswered, so it kind mm-hmm. of blew blew them out. Um, but you got to play with the high energy the entire time. You can't give up leads to mediocre ACC teams because when you play the big bad boys at Clemson, once you have that lead, Clemson's coming for you. I mean, it, you got to mm-hmm. keep that lead. Um, Clemson's just got a little bit of inexperience, more on the defensive line, you know, dude, those corners right now, ooh, those corners are on islands right now. Oh, yeah. They're I mean, that Clemson, down. Yeah, that Clemson defense looked next level, and they really did, I thought, did a good job keeping De'Aaron King in the pocket and not letting him get outside where he could hurt teams with his legs. 
But also, too, kind of back to what you're saying, I mean, this Notre Dame, and realistically, like when you look down the UNC schedule, they don't see Notre Dame till till um, yeah Thanksgiving weekend. So I mean, they play Notre Dame and Miami back to back. I mean, they still have Duke, Wake Forest, Virginia, NC State, and Florida State. Those are five cupcakes in a row. So the biggest mm-hmm. thing for UNC is we'll see what they're made of here down this stretch. I think personally, because if they stay focused and blow all these teams out, that's how you know they're really a team like that. But if they come out there and play lackluster, I mean, at a 12 p.m. game against, like, NC State, for example, that's the kind of game you see a team that's not that good come out and lose. So that's going to be massive for them with everything. Like, I think they've got the hype and everything. They play Florida State in a night game. You know they're going to show out in that game. But it's the game against NC State at 12 o'clock where you probably don't show up as much. But I think that Notre Dame game is going to be massive, and that's really going to tell who gets to play in the ACC championship against Clemson. I mean, I don't think Clemson's afraid of Miami. Miami was decent. They were a good story. I mean, I'd say that we were both kind of, you know, in between on there. You said they were bust. I said they were legit. So I'd say they're right sitting right there in the middle. They're kind of just like a middle-of-the-pack team, you know, maybe a borderline top-ten team, but they're no real contender. But I personally think Notre Dame's fake. What about you? I mean, I think they're fake every year. I think they're talented, but um, I do want to say this, though. It's so, like, weird, you know. I have people that tell me all the time that we're, like, you know, Bama hasn't really played anyone. Well, if you look at their schedule, like, they beat number 13, Texas Mm A&M. And, you know, Texas A&M is not the 13th best team in the nation. Texas A&M really is just above average. They're good. They're nothing great. So, but you can't fault people for playing a – it's not Bama's fault, Texas A&M is that bad when the country when the rankings had him at 13 and that plays in for everyone around the country right i mean you can't fall asleep just because you don't see a number next to someone's name right you can't just show up because you see a low number next to someone's name miami bringing it back to miami beat a couple i think louisville was ranked when miami beat him correct yeah louisville stinks they've proven that yeah, they just Miami, lost to Georgia Tech. Miami just had their first real tough test of the season and got flat out embarrassed. Jared mm-hmm. King looked like he really didn't know how to play quarterback. I think at one point he was 9 for 23 passing. Um, can Miami do that against the other teams that are not on Clemson's level, but they're still good? Can they do that against UNC? Can they do that against Notre Dame? If you show up in those games, whether you win or lose, if you lose, just if you lose by single digits or if you win, that proves whether you are a good or real team or not, more so than the number that's next to you by these old dudes who sit in a room and have a computer tell them that Texas A&M is the 13th best team. Auburn was not the seventh best team in the country last week, people. When they played Georgia, they were not the seventh best team not in the country. All. We can name teams that are better than Auburn. I mean, Auburn was fortunate to even get out of that Arkansas game with a win. That was definitely a backwards pass, but... Hey, the referees did gave them a break. Sometimes you need breaks like that. There's one other team, though, I really want to talk about here that I feel like is flying under the radar. That's the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Their defense yeah. ranks 11th in college football right now. In, no, no, their defense is third in college football, giving up nine points per game right now. On top well, is, of that, is that because they haven't played as many games? They've only played two games, right? No, they played three games. They beat Tulsa, West Virginia, and Kansas. So take that what it's worth. Okay. But still, I mean, that's still impressive, though, when you're beating those teams like that. Also, they haven't had their starting quarterback, Spencer Sanders. They now have a game postponed because of Baylor's COVID, COVID report for this week. 
I mean, I feel like Oklahoma State's caught kind of some good breaks so far. Obviously, they still have to play Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State, TCU, and um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma still on that schedule. So, I mean, they still have to play the best teams in the Big 12, but I feel like they've been dealt a huge break with getting their quarterback, Spencer Sanders, to get back in there. I mean, if you plug him in there with Tylen Wallace and Dylan Stoner and Chubba Hubbard, I mean, you have a great team right there. Obviously, the offensive line is really the one question here, but, I mean, they have a good defense. I thought this was going to be a good defense coming this season. I mean, Ben, you think they can run the table here and get to the Final Four? Can they? Yes. I just don't see. I don't think they beat Oklahoma and Texas. I agree. Um, I, I think they split against those, and I think they don't win out. You know, that that's a it's hard. You know, it, these teams, even though they're better than TCU, they're mm-hmm. they are better than Iowa State. They're better than Kansas State. They'll definitely be Kansas State now. Now that Skylar Thompson's going to be out for the year, um, but it, it's just hard. I mean. For them to win the Big 12, they really need to win all every game and then maybe realistically split against Oklahoma, Texas, and then they have a shot at the Big 12. I just don't think it's realistic, to be honest with you. There's nothing that you can predict about this season. I mean, like you mentioned, Baylor with COVID, Florida just had five new cases, yeah. Florida Gators. And this is coming from a coach who is pleading with the governor to allow 90000 in the swamp. Excuse me, Dan Mullen. You can't even keep your players healthy. There ain't going to be 90000 for you, even if you play LSU this week. Um, it, you can't predict things. It's too hard in 2020. Hey, Don't even try. No, I agree with you completely. Do you think Florida intentionally got COVID so they have a little time to work on this defense? If they are afraid to play this LSU team, <laughs> then they will go nowhere in life. <laughs> this, this, L, this LSU team is a walking three-loss team probably. No, I honestly don't know how you can beat anyone besides Vanderbilt. I mean, who they already played and beat. I mean, losing to Missouri was downright pathetic. Um, you know, I also I thought that was pretty shocking though, to see that today. I don't know if this game will end up happening this week just because of the COVID test. I don't know if they'll have enough players available. Obviously, they haven't canceled the game yet. Um, one last college football thing behind it before we get up out of here. Who are you more disappointed in this season, Oklahoma or Texas? It's got to be Oklahoma. I, I think it's got to be Oklahoma. They, their expectations coming into this year had did not drop, just because Spencer Rattler came in. Um, it, I think it's got to be. I mean, they're they're the team that's run this conference for a while, and they're at a point to where they're not even the favorite to win this conference at this point. Um, I I think it's I think you know for me also for the people that have listened in the past, I was on Oklahoma to start the year. You were on Texas, so it's very easy for me to say Oklahoma at this point. Um. See, I you can answer, but I have a quick question. Do you think if Oklahoma, let's say they lose another game, they have a three. Do you think if they lose more than they already have, that it could persuade Lincoln Riley to leave? Other than the money, the NFL money is obviously a reason. I don't know if he's a type of guy like that, but it's always your best chance to leave after a down-ish year when the money is high. Let's put it this way. If the right price comes calling and if the boosters are being obnoxious, I feel like that's a lot of it too. When you have these massive schools like Alabama's, like Texas, like Oklahoma, like Florida State, when those boosters are unhappy and they're letting the program know about it and the coach know about it, these coaches get frustrated. Like that was a big thing that drove Jimbo Jimbo out of Tallahassee was he was annoyed with the boosters. I mean, that's a big thing. You've seen drive all kinds of these coaches out of these jobs and to go other places is because the boosters are annoying them. 
I could definitely see if Lincoln Riley, I mean, if he loses another game, people are not going to be happy. I think he bought himself a little bit of time. I'm not going to lie. I was pulling for him to lose that game solely because I wanted him to be available for the Falcons. But uh, let's put it this way. I think if Lincoln Riley's ever going to go to the pros, this is the year that he would leave and go to the pros. It just, you know, I don't know what his mindset's kind of like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there are plenty of coaches who get offered better jobs in college football. Not not those one better than Oklahoma. I'm saying smaller coaches. And then there's plenty of coaches that get offered NFL jobs. Um, some guys like the recruiting process, even though it's grueling. Um, some people like the connection you make with kids and their families and you like making a difference. You absolutely make more of a difference in a college kid's life than a professional. No question about it. Um, some coaches like that. So I don't know where his mindset is. I just think that the more losses come, the more frustrated people in town get. And they're not going to ride him out. That's not what I'm mm. saying at all. I think the frustration could build to a point to where he sees all that NFL money and he and he says, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going to get my money in the NFL. And then he can always return to college if he fails. No, see, I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was literally about to say once you got done was that if there's any time for him to try, why not now? You know, he's going to get any job he wants pretty much in college football once he comes back. I mean, shoot, he might even go work for Fox Sports or for ESPN for a year to wait on his job that he wants to open up. I mean, any of these big programs, if they have to move on from their head coach, would more than love to have Lincoln Riley come in and be their head coach. Last thing I'm going to say before we kind of get up out of here, unless you have anything else you want to say, is I'm a little more disappointed in Texas. I think if you're Texas – you can't do, man, what they did these last two weeks. I mean, you had Oklahoma go down to Kansas State. I mean, this is gonna that basically was giving you the most perfect opportunity you've ever had to win the Big 12. The fact that Oklahoma already lost a game this quick into the season before you even play the Red River rivalry or shootout or whatever you want to call it. You turn around, you lose that game looking ahead to TCU, and then, I mean, you had 17 points until there was about four minutes left in the game. 17 freaking points against Oklahoma's defense. I could not be more disappointed in Tom Herman and Texas. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still got back in this in that game, but especially Sam Ellinger too, man. Him being a senior and everything, I really thought Ellinger was a difference maker and was that kind of player in college football, and they'd get the job done. I'm so disappointed in Texas, and their season ended the, is going to end the way it should, not playing for a national championship. Real quick, is Tom Herman the coach next season, or is it still too early to tell? I think he should be the coach next season. I still think Tom Herman's an elite college football coach, and I think Texas would be stupid to run him off. I mean, if Tom Herman it can't isn't your coach for the next couple of years and you don't think he can do the job there, why even have a football program at this point? They fired Charlie Strong about the same point Tom Herman's at right now. But I feel like Charlie Strong got in a little bit over his head, you know. He went from South Florida. I'm just saying they were they're both one they're both one and four against Texas. Yeah, I mean, I mean sorry, against, Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Strong did come in from Louisville after you know winning that big bowl game. I mean, he did have a lot. He brought in, let's put it this way, Charlie Strong brought in a ton of talent when he was at Louisville to an ACC team, you know. So I feel like that his team kind of flew under the radar a little bit more so rather than when he was at Texas. I mean, he just really didn't get the job done, you know. I feel like it should be, it should be easier to recruit at Texas. No, that is also very true, too. I don't know. I just feel like Charlie Strong was never the right guy at Texas. I got it. And he proved it when he went to South Florida. He didn't do anything while he was there. That's true. He's he's a good defensive coordinator. That's what It's kind of like Muschamp. I think Muschamp, when he eventually gets fired from South Carolina, um, he's an elite defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Georgia, Georgia will probably hire him, to be honest with you. Him and Kirby were safeties at Georgia together. Oh, I could definitely see that. I think that would be a great <laughs> hire for Georgia. 
We'll see. We'll yep. see. That's all I got, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Braves are about to uh, – first pitch is coming up here in five minutes, so we got to get up out of here. But once again, Ben, I appreciate you coming on. Yep. Thanks for having me, my man. Hey, we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll see you all again next week.